0: It's time for Ruining Seinfeld, the only show that asks, what's the deal with that? Get ready to pour over the excruciating minutia of every single daily event of four morons sitting around an apartment whining about their dates. Here are your hosts, John and Adam. Hey
1: everyone, and welcome to Ruining Seinfeld. My name is John. And I'm Adam. Today we're going to be talking about the 5th and final episode of season 1, The Stock Tip. It first aired June 21st, 1990. It was written by Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld, and directed by Tom Sharonis. The top song on the R&B chart, You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer.
0: You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this.
1: One of my personal favorites, to be honest. I'll go a step further. Hammer Don't Hurt Him, the album, was the first CD I ever purchased. And all we had in the house was a CD player that was a part of a boombox. And so I had to buy the CD to then record it onto a cassette so then I could listen to it in my Walkman. <laughs> nice. Well that song's a classic. Now the movie, I don't know if I'd call a classic, but it's definitely I would think a little groundbreaking for its time. It was Dick Tracy. Oh yeah, Dick Tracy. That yeah. was That was a good one, but it was so weird, right? It was, you know, all of the really heavy makeup and tried to make it look like the comic book. Yeah, it was the the prosthetics were super heavy. I mean, I know they were trying to do it for that like dramatic over-the-top effect I don't think it really works now if you look at it but back then I'm sure it was fine I never really saw the movie so it was kind of hard for me to I don't know that I've seen it all the way through I know I've seen a lot of clips because there's some pretty heavy hitters in that movie we got Al Pacino Madonna Yep. isn't it wasn't Beatty in that as well yeah Warren Beatty is the star he's Dick yeah. Tracy and Seinfeld's own Mike Haggerty Sadly, he passed away in 2022, but people that love Seinfeld are never going to forget him as Rudy in the season five episode, The Raincoats. Absolutely. I'm always going to remember him as Davey, the guy in Wayne's World, who he's sitting at the counter and he's like, yep, I got this today. (laughs) I love that movie. It doesn't get enough respect nowadays. (laughs) It's so good. Yeah. How about you? Any specific roles you remember him from? He was the building super in a couple episodes of Friends, I think well, that's right. That's right. I, I never really watched Friends, but I do remember that being the case. There's a bunch of Seinfeld crossover in that show, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think there is. But yeah, no he'll he'll be missed. What a great guy. i love I love his episode. <laughs> Moss of the scourge of my business. Rudy? Rudy that skunk. I know he didn't burn those clothes. <laughs> I always loved that George called him a skunk. Yeah. All right, Adam, you ready to take this boiler out for a shakedown? Let's hit it. First thing we're gonna break into is the stand-up. Jerry talks about getting the check at the end of the meal.
2: Went out to dinner the other night, check came at the end of the meal as it always does. Never liked the check at the end of the meal system because money's a very different thing before and after you eat. Before you eat, money has no value. Now you don't care about money when you're hungry, you sit down in a restaurant, you're like the ruler of an empire. More drinks! Appetizers, quickly, quickly! It will be the greatest meal of our lives. Then after the meal, you know, you got the pants open, you got the napkins destroyed, cigarette butt the mashed potatoes. Then the check comes at that moment. People are always upset, you know? They're mystified by the check. They're...
3: This. How could this be?
2: They start passing it around the table. Does this look right to you? We're not hungry now. Why are we buying all this food?
1: I I love this because it's I I feel like we're gonna have a recurring theme and I don't want to be like I'm saying the same thing about every stand-up and saying, oh, it's so true. But you know that that's what Jerry's appeal was, right? As a stand-up comic, he took everyday occurrences and, you know, put his own little spin on it, obviously, but it was very, how do they joke? It's a, have you ever noticed kind of humor? Yeah, you ever noticed this, you ever noticed that. Yeah, it seems like a lot of guys are doing that kind of comedy nowadays. (laughs) Well, you really went bald there, didn't you? (laughs) So, but this one's good about, you know, when you're at the beginning of the meal and you're hungry and you want to just order everything, appetizers, drinks, meals, everything, just bring everything. And then by the end, he's saying that, you know, you're you're unbuttoning the belt or unbuttoning your pants, undoing the belt. You got a mashed cigarette stuffed into the mashed potatoes. (laughs) As a former busboy, I know that all too well. Cigarettes in the steak, half a steak sitting there. People put their cigarette out in it so you won't eat it. (laughs) Yeah, it it also made me think about remember when people actually smoke and smoked inside restaurants. Oh, man, I, I was a busboy from 94 to, like, 96, and, yeah, it was bad, man. I worked the smoking section, and it was bad. Yeah, <laughs> real bad. I could barely breathe. I'm surprised I'm not dead right now. In my opinion, as far as the payment and the meal goes, I think that you should pay when you order, just like at McDonald's. McDonald's is way cheaper, you know, and they make you pay before you get your food. So why not do that in a restaurant right when you order, pay for everything, and then if something's not to your satisfaction, they can take it off the bill, that kind of thing. Instead, you know, you're sitting there not feeling like you want to pay the bill afterwards, you know, and then they don't have any dine and dashes either. Well, he's wearing that amoeba tie again, it looks like. Yeah, he loves that thing. I don't know how many times he's going to wear it, and that jacket looks oversized, almost like a talking heads jacket again. I was just gonna say, I have put a note on here. It's like he's in talking heads. Yeah, it's like the jacket Elaine's wearing the first time we meet her. It's like the shoulder pads are so far out. Like Yeah. yeah but other than that, no, I think it's a pretty good stand up. And I mean you'll find me saying that a lot too. It's it's a pretty good stand-up. I mean, pretty soon we'll get into some better ones. And later on in this, actually, I I'll, I'm going to bring up a theory that I have about his stand-up. And I can't and wait. To I want to see. I want to see what you what you have to say. I like when we have discussions about that kind of stuff. But huh. well, scene one takes place in monks.
2: Well, I, I think Superman probably has a very good sense of humor.
3: I never heard him say anything really funny. But it's common
2: sense. He's got super strength, super speed. I'm sure he's got super humor.
3: I didn't think that, but you? Either you're born with a sense of humor or you're not. It's not gonna change. Even if you go from the red sun of Krypton all the way to the yellow sun of the earth.
2: <laughs> Why? Why would that one area of his mind not be affected by the yellow
3: sun of the earth? I don't know, but he ain't funny.
4: I know, I know, I'm sorry, I'm late.
3: No problem.
4: Oh, I dropped a grape. What? I dropped a grape in the kitchen and it disappeared. I couldn't find it. I was I was literally on my knees for 10 minutes looking for this stupid grape. I have no idea wh- where it went.
2: Were you crying? I mean, just a grape. Um, You'll find it.
4: No, I'm just getting over an allergy attack. Uh, this guy I'm going out with. Robert. Roberts. yes. Thank you. He has two cats, and I am allergic to them. You know, I finally meet a normal man and I can't even go into his apartment, you know? And of course, my apartment is the actor's studio, so we can't go there. It's really causing a lot of problems, you know? He won't even go away for the weekend because of these cats.
3: Guys with cats. I don't know. know. I've been thinking
2: about asking this girl I'm uh, seeing. Vanessa? Vanessa, thank you.
3: I've been thinking about asking her to go away for a couple of days. Oh, no, 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 no. I'd have to advise against that. What do you know, this woman, a month? That's, you're gonna be with her 72 hours. That's a dating decathlon.
4: Hey, why don't you take her to that place in Vermont I was telling you about? You know, that really charming place with the with the separate faucets for the hot and cold? She'll love it.
3: That's exquisite. Listen, uh, if it's not too much trouble, could you pass me that paper over there? Just the business sections.
2: You better find that grape before it mutates into another life form. (laughs) There was once a mutant grape that terrorized an entire town in the Texas panhandle. It brought in the army. Nobody could stop it. Apparently, it
3: had a pit of steel. (laughs) Up again. This is incredible. I'm, I'm getting it. You're getting what? A stock. What stock? Did you ever meet my friend Simons? Maybe. He knows this guy Wilkinson. He made a, a fortune in the stock market. Now he's got some new thing. You know, it's supposed to be a big merger. He wasn't even supposed to say anything. You guys should think about doing this, too. How are I it supposed to go? I don't know. But Simon said that if I wanted to get involved, that Wilkinson would tell me the exact right minute to sell. Do you want to do it? Boy, I don't know. I'd do it, but I don't
4: have any money.
3: What kind of company is it? Well, Sendrax, they got some, some new kind of technique for televising opera. Televising opera? Some sort of electronic thingy. Well, how much are you going to invest? 5,000. 10, 10,000. 5,000. <laughs> Boy, come on. Wilkinson's got millions invested in this stock. It's gone up three points since I've been watching it. What if I lose it? Come on, go for 2,500. We'll do it together, come on, come on. We're in it together.
2: All right, twenty-five hundred.
3: Yeah, can I take your order? We'll check to the razor.
2: My yes. bet. All right, I'll open with the tuna sandwich. Tuna. Oh, the dolphin thing.
4: They're dying in the nets.
2: Oh. You know, the whole concept of lunch is based on tuna.
4: Jerry, can't you incorporate one unselfish act in your daily routine?
2: Hey, when I'm driving, I let people in ahead of me all the time. I'm always waving everybody in. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. All right, all right. I'll have the chicken salad.
4: Um, and I'm gonna have an English muffin with margarine on the side and a cup of coffee. Okay, what about you?
3: I'll have the tuna.
1: Do you have an inventory update at all for monks this week? I don't. I'm leaving that to you, buddy. You're you're so on top of it. Well, I mean, if if that's the case, I mean, like it, it is good for both of us to look around just to see what the other person might miss. But I only got a couple things. They still have the red menus, and I believe that outside across the street is different than we see later in the episodes. Like the outside street set looks a little bit different, and they have table numbers on the tables. Jerry and George are sitting at table number four, and this table next to them is number two. Yeah, I didn't notice that. That's a good pickup. I didn't notice it until this morning, actually, when I watched it for my last watch through before we record. So, caught that. But that's really it. I didn't, I didn't catch anything else this episode. There are probably a few things, but honestly, I think they're being pretty consistent now. Yeah, it did pay closer attention to Jerry's apartment, we'll obviously get to it, but I didn't notice anything drastic either. We'll come across that in a few minutes here, but I'm not too sure if I did either. So we have George and Jerry talking about, in they're having some sort of argument about Superman's sense of humor and whether he has super humor or not. I thought that was a a pretty good, pretty good back and forth between them. Yeah, I like how they're using the ketchup and the mustard as the red and yellow suns of the Earth and Krypton. Yeah, and I just love that they they do use the the yellow sun of the Earth. Like, that's just, it's great. Yeah, I did a little bit of research, and the only thing I could find, and I did a little looking, only thing I could find about Superman being funny was in a newer issue of a Superman comic. Superman says, Why do you hate me so much, Lex? Is it the hair? And that's like his attempt at being funny because he's like smirking in the in the shot. And I'm like, is that I think that's it? Because I looked up is Superman funny? Can Superman be funny? Is there any, you know, instances of Superman being funny? And there really wasn't. So I think I think, yeah, I think I'm with George Superman. He ain't funny. And I have to disagree with George, though, with him saying if you're either born with a sense of humor or you're not, it's not going to change. Yeah, I think. I think as you get exposed to more things throughout your life, you either get funnier or, you know, you don't. I I mean, how many middle schoolers do you really find that funny? But, you know, here we are, a ton of of people grow up with great sense of humor. Yeah, and I knew kids in middle school who didn't like certain things. Now they're dunking a piece of toast in it. They love it. (laughs) When the guys are talking, we see Elaine walk past the window before she enters. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, it gives some realism to it. Exactly. Do a wardrobe check here. I figured if the characters look like themselves, we wouldn't have to mention what they're wearing. Like if Jerry's wearing a striped shirt and he just looks like Jerry, it's not really worth bringing up. But I figured something like Elaine's wearing in this scene should be brought up. She's wearing that frilly cowgirl jacket. Yep. She wears that a couple times. Yeah, and I mean, but it's not like a staple Elaine look. You know what I mean? It's like couple times and it's it's just out of place especially with the shirt she's wearing if i'm not mistaken it says jackson hole wyoming on it (laughs) it's a t-shirt i don't think i've ever seen her wear a t-shirt she's a cowgirl (laughs) and george is still wearing that jacket that looks like a members only jacket but it's not that cool and he's got the the sleeves rolled up a little bit more but he's got one of his checkered shirts underneath so it looks more like an actual george shirt yeah, he loves it's going to drive me nuts through as we go throughout this whole series, the, the roll up. I think we talked about it a couple episodes ago, the, the jacket sleeve roll up. It just doesn't work for me. No, definitely not. His sense of style will change, but I don't know how much for the better. Elaine also rocked in when, you know, obviously we just talked about the the T-shirt and the the jacket with the fringe on it. And she, she rolled in with the the really dark sunglasses, too. She's like a rock star. And notice when she takes them off, she kind of looks like she doesn't know what, what to do with them. And then she throws them on the the table. It's almost like she doesn't wear sunglasses because if I had sunglasses, especially if I've had a jacket on, I'd like put them in the jacket or put them in a pocket or something. I wouldn't just toss them on the menus on the table. Yeah. Elaine apologizes that she's late, but she was looking for a grape. It's just a grape. Jerry asks she's been crying, and she explains that her boyfriend has cats and that she's allergic to them. She says she finally meets a normal guy, to which Jerry gives George a look like, What the hell? (laughs) What am I, chopped liver? Yeah, exactly. And George seems to have certain feelings about guys and cats, and we never really get any clarification on what he says here. So I reached out to fellow Seinfeld fan, Andrew Martella, aka I am the cat photographer on Instagram, who happens to be well-versed in this subject. And he was kind enough to call into our voicemail line at 5Seinfeld6 and share his thoughts on the matter.
5: Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Andrew, and I am the cat photographer online. I, I am a professional cat photographer, and I have several cats of my own. I'm petting one right now as I'm leaving this voicemail. Um, I was asked in one of the, I think it's quite early in the series, one of the episodes, Elaine is talking, I think, about a potential date and mentions that he has a cat. And George says, men with cats, I don't know. And I was asked to to sort of give my take on this and explain maybe what George is saying. And so what, what does he mean by this? Um, I think we can all deduce the subtext here that men with cats are maybe a little bit feminine or possibly pretentious or too in touch with their feelings. I think it's not an uncommon sentiment even today, but we have to contextualize this just a little bit. This was the 90s in New York City. I think there used to be a much greater effort to portray, you know, machismo and the whole real men don't cry thing. And if we think about George specifically, he's incredibly selfish. He's so insecure. He's just a spineless worm and i love him but he's a spineless worm and he shows that you know virtually every episode um and he panders so hard to those that he finds you know more masculine well, if i think about the jimmy episode or elaine's boyfriend tony when he flips his hat backwards um I think a man with a dog would certainly not get the same treatment by George and a lot of this has to to do with him being a very base reflection of society and portraying a lot of that toxic masculinity and I contend that the single greatest thing George could have done for his emotional and his his just like general character development in his life and thus every single one of his relationships would be to adopt a cat. And this is twofold. Um, It would introduce him to the idea of giving without the expectation of reciprocation. And um, while cats can can be aloof, they're also unbelievably loving if you put in time and effort and make them feel safe. I guess I have a lot. a lot of feelings about this. I have a lot to discuss. I, I think that, you know, essentially all of his problems would have been solved to a large degree if he had adopted a cat and um it would really introduce him to the idea of, of delayed gratification and I think it would, you know, hopefully revolutionize the way he approaches other beings and the world at large, and love, and all of his relationships, I think that it, it could have that effect. And two, it was twofold, and two, even if he still wants to be a very selfish scumbag, uh, for better or worse, having a cat does signal that you might be somewhat selfless you might be a sensitive person or in touch with your emotions. So he'd, he'd be able to, to bag some chicks that way if he so chose. And I, I don't totally agree with, you know, that assessment that if you have a cat, you're more sensitive, but that's kind of where society places us dudes with cats. And, um, yeah, I think. I think George would just be a better man if he had a cat. He would benefit so much and a society that is keeping him from realizing his best self. So, hope you're well. Sorry for the long message. All right. Take care. Bye.
1: Thanks so much for calling in Andrew. We really appreciate it. I think you made a lot of valid points. Yeah, I I can't argue with anything he said. He does bring up some good points, and it's just me not being a cat guy. I don't know. I never really had a strong opinion one way or the other. I know I'm highly allergic, and I've never owned a cat, but, I mean, if that's your thing, that's your thing. Yeah, I, I'm i the same way. I have had cats in the past, but I, when it comes to cats, I just, I don't know. They They seem to, they like me fine when I'm at someone's house. But when they're my cats, they hate me. I don't get it. But Whenever I go to someone else's house, they want to be my best friend. So I'm not allergic or anything, so I'll pet them and let them sit on me. I'm cool with them. As we shift back to the conversation at the table, Jerry mentions taking Vanessa away for the weekend. Elaine says he should take her to that place in Vermont. Simultaneously, she does that trick where she rubs the spoon on her nose and gets to stay there. I love it. I've never been able to do that. Like, I've tried. Really? Yeah, you just breathe real hard on the spoon and get it to stick to your nose. Well, I've, I've got to say, though, George was right about taking Vanessa away for the weekend. But if Jerry was smart, he would have taken her away for the weekend at the beginning of the relationship to get rid of her sooner. Good call. <laughs> and furthermore, looking up New York City to Vermont on Google Maps, the connecting point was the New York Massachusetts Vermont tripoint. A straight shot on the I-87 highway would be 191 miles and would take three hours and 23 minutes, one way. Also, you could take the Taconic State Parkway, but that's still 173 miles and three hours and 16 minutes, one way. So depending on where the Creek Glen Inn is, it could be way further than that. Oh, it could be really further. That's what I'm saying. So how far did he drive? I don't know. We'll have to elaborate on that a little bit later. Anything more than two or three hours, that's got to be pretty painful. So George says, if it's not too much trouble, can you pass me that newspaper over there? Just the business section. Yeah, and Elaine grabs it with like one swipe, like the business section. She just pulled it. He expects her to rummage through the paper and find him the business section. George, the financial wizard, all of a sudden. Yeah, right. Is rolling pennies a few days ago. I was just going to say he was changing in his jug of change. <laughs> so Jerry brings up a line about the grape terrorizing the Texas panhandle. That's got to be one of the dumbest jokes in this show. It does. The way Elaine, it just, it's so out of place. And the way Elaine looks at him, it's obvious that he's just not that funny. Furthering my hypothesis. All right. It's building. Now, here's where I'm going to break it down. If Jerry really isn't that funny, as we've noticed, most of his jokes fall flat when he's telling them to other people. Could it be that all of his stand up that we see maybe in his dreams? Man, what was the what was the what was the last conspiracy theory you had that that Kramer was uh, robbing all of the apartment buildings? Anything is possible. This one. This one's wild. Yeah, maybe that's why the amoeba tie keeps showing up. You know, maybe they can say that the smoke is people smoking in the clubs, but it's possible it's just the smoke of dreams. Okay. All right. Anything's possible. We'll we'll dig into it every episode, because later on he's going to have that girlfriend who doesn't laugh. And I don't know. Some of those jokes fall flat. (laughs) Some people like mediocrity, remember. That's right. I don't want to disparage anybody, but some people like Jeff Dunham. You know (laughs) what I mean? Oh, that's a, (laughs) should we have a whole episode on that? Looked at me the same way. My father looked at me when I said I wanted to be a ventriloquist. (laughs) I think I just broke Uh. into a cold sweat. (laughs) Well, we've got unseen characters to mention in this scene. We've got Robert, Elaine's boyfriend. We've got George's friend, Simons. Well, he has a friend named Wilkinson. George sure has a lot of friends. How come we never see any of these people? That's what they're wondering about you. So George has ten thousand dollars saved up that he can part with. This dude was rolling his pennies like I just mentioned. Yeah, I don't buy that one bit. He is not sitting on a mountain of cash as a was he a real estate broker. That's what I'm saying. He he blew the McConnell deal. Like what else is this guy screwed up? You know what I mean? <laughs> George brings up this company, Sendrax, has a new system for televising opera. Jerry doesn't even like the opera, so why would he think that investing a stock purely based on opera would be profitable? Televising opera. I can't think of a worse thing. Like, I've I've never seen an opera. I don't understand the allure, personally. I know that there's talent behind it, and these people train very hard and work very hard and I can understand where, why people like it, but it's not, not in my wheelhouse. Yeah. I don't think anybody's really watching it on TV. Are they? I mean, maybe old rich people that can't (laughs) make it to the opera anymore. I I don't get it. I mean, I know that it's the joke and it's the show and it's supposed to be silly that that's a, that's a funny premise, but you know, like the robot butcher, The, the server comes up. And she says, so what 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 can I get for you? Jerry says he wants tuna fish. And Elaine says, tuna, really? Oh, the uh, dolphin thing? They ain't in the nets. But in The Stranded, she mentions that she eats fish occasionally because they have no feelings when asked by Ava if she's a vegetarian. Which has more feelings, chicken or tuna? Well, I think she's upset about the dolphins and... And technically, a dolphin's a mammal. Maybe yeah. she's got a weird, weird belief system going on. Well, if you believe anything Douglas Adams says, who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, he believes they're aliens. So, Well, I mean, that's fiction, but yeah. <laughs> I can't say those are Douglas Adams' real thoughts on dolphins. <laughs> and here to comment is Douglas Adams. I don't know what Douglas Adams sounds like, but I approve of the dolphin message. meanwhile they have this whole conversation the server's just waiting to take their order now i've been a server i'd say i'll be right back when you make your decision i'm not going to stand around while these people make small talk i see you servers out there and i'm here for you yeah the last thing you want is three yuppies arguing over if they're going to eat tuna and elaine orders and she finally orders an english muffin margarine on the side and a cup of coffee but later on, she orders decaf at Reggie's. Hilde says they only have Sanka. Now, I know people can switch between them, so I figured if we're calling on everything, why not call up this too? <laughs> yeah, and the fact that she's choosing to eat margarine, like, that was definitely a 90s thing. Yeah, for sure, like weight loss type thing. Don't eat butter. It's really bad for you. Yeah, instead eat this stuff that's made of all chemicals. It's just oil and water. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> George says, "Check to the razor," and when Jerry says he'll open with the tuna, is that the first poker reference of the show? Yeah, I think it is. We get a few throughout the series, but I think that's the first one. And I'll bring up this too that you know when Jerry's saying, "Oh, come on!" Like the whole idea of lunch is revolves around tuna didn't we talk about that before of like tuna salad egg salad chicken salad like we're not big like salad sandwich people and and here we go again like it's the only option
5: Yeah, i think we mentioned
1: that it's just faster to eat them i think and they can get out of there faster (laughs) they always are in there and out of there anyway it's like sometimes they leave without even seems like paying the bill you know (laughs) just leave the place another thing that really irked me is jerry says he's always waving people in when he's driving go ahead go ahead go ahead that must be fictional jerry because he doesn't seem that way in comedians and cars no no chance well we come to our next scene it's in the bodega
2: i have to say those people talking behind us really ruined that movie for me
4: why did not you do something what do you want me to do i gave the
2: guy the half turn
4: <laughs> i
2: gave him the full turn with the eye roll <laughs> i mean beyond that i'm risking a punch in the mouth <laughs> Excuse me, do you have these in the puffs? No puffs, just flakes. (laughs) Have you thought any more about that trip?
4: Yeah, I've been thinking about it.
2: You know, my friend told me about this great place in Vermont.
4: I don't know. I just worry about trips like this. It's a lot of pressure.
2: It's great. It speeds up the intimacy level. It's like putting the relationship in a time compressor, where we would be six months from now. We accomplish three days.
4: Oh, so you want to move our relationship into phase two.
2: Exactly. I love phase two. Extra toothbrushes, increased phone call frequency, walking around naked. You know the presents get a lot better in phase two.
4: Really? Can we go fishing up there.
2: Yeah, we can fish. What blues, carp, marlin?
4: They have marlin in Vermont?
2: Oh, big fighting marlin. <laughs>
4: Jerry, the stock is the same as when you checked it earlier. There are no changes after the market closes. The stock is still down.
2: I know, but this is a different paper. I thought maybe they have uh, different sources.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like the set design of this little bodega. It feels like a real store. Yeah, it feels just dingy enough to be true New York City quote-unquote grocery store. Yeah, I go to Boston every once in a while when I go to see a concert or something like that and I've been into some pretty shady little bodegas just to get like a Arizona iced tea really quick and yeah, it it definitely fits the schematic. <laughs> this is probably the only interaction I actually like between Jerry and Vanessa, the the whole conversation about, you know, the guy's talking during the movie and he's giving the the eye roll. Or the, the full turn with the eye roll. Yeah, exactly. But but what did she expect? Him to fight those guys? Who would put their friends in harm's way like that? I mean I think that's the old trope of, you know, being the, the super masculine man and, and standing up for all that's wrong and just willing to just get in a fist fight about anything. Now look, if you're insulting the person I'm with, that's a different story. Correct. But if you're just talking at the movies, look, man. I'm going to leave the movie and ask for my money back because they'll do that for you. Or I'm just going to not say anything and deal with it. And if it gets too bad, you know, move maybe. But I'm not going to risk getting in a fight over someone talking during the movie. Yeah, let's let's find a new hill to die on. So the guy behind the counter says when Jerry asks him about the, do you have this in, in puffs? He's like, no puffs, just flakes. That's Benjamin Lum. He comes back to play the irate postman in the cigar store Indian later. That's right. Yeah, American Joe. Yeah. Which way to hamburger hot dog stand? Somebody asked me which way Israel is. I don't fly off the handle. (laughs) Aren't we all getting just a little too sensitive? But later on, we'll cut to Jerry's cereal shelf, and we'll see no puffs, mostly flakes. Hmm. So I wonder if... This guy just finally turned him off of Puffs. Maybe. One thing we do see in the background is some ranch-style beans. (laughs) I tried to get some of the inventory of this place, but they move around so fast and it's so grainy. I did see solar cane on one of the shelves, but that's really all I could make out. What the heck is solar cane? Solar cane is a spray that you spray on when you get a sunburn. All right. So it's like a... Like a, oh, I got sunburn, you spray it on, it cools you down, like aloe. Let's just get back to the ranch-style beans. Is that just, like, cowboys sitting around eating a can of beans? Like, that's the kind of ranch? Giddy up. (laughs) (laughs) But Vanessa picks up a box off the shelf. It happens to be the only one of the product that she picks up. It's just, like, there, and she's like, hmm, looks at it, and then holds on to it. Doesn't put it in his basket, but at the end when they're up near the register, she puts it on the counter. Like, so here you go, buy this. You know? Yeah, and there's this tiny, like dinky little, like salad bar that is. I I took a note. It's it's four ninety five for the salad bar, and there could only be like four options on that thing. But six fifty with a drink. Man, <laughs> the drink is that much more. Nineteen ninety, six fifty. Tiny salad bar and drink. Well, gotta gotta think. How much salad do they let you put in there? You know, it could be by the pound. It could be four ninety five a pound. I don't, know there's, these, pound I don't know. there's there's only a stack of these tiny little styrofoam containers that they can put them in. I don't know if I'd eat a salad bar in a little place like that. I, I there's no way. They got some delis in some of these places, and I think it's got to be a front because I don't think anybody's (laughs) eaten the food there. Somebody comes in there and like, can I get a salami sandwich? Yeah, no chance. (laughs) You really want a sandwich? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There's some great sound design, though, in this scene because you can hear the sirens outside and like the traffic from outside. So I think that like adds to the New York aesthetic. Yeah, it definitely does. Makes it feel like a little more real because later later on, we're, we're going to get so abstract and wacky that they don't even put, pay attention to any of that stuff anymore. No, absolutely not. But I'm fine with that. I also like that inside the bodega, and maybe we should have spent some more time just like inventorying everything, but it's like. You have this white and black checkered floor, which is kind of cool for that. But then, like, up by the register, there are barrels, like old apple bushel barrels. There's really yeah. nothing in there. It's just to set your stuff on, like, yeah, it just seems random. so out of place. Yeah, I, I noticed that, too. I'm like, what? And and, the, and again, with the talking and, like, just standing there talking while the ladies at the register like, What is up with these people? They're just hanging out here talking while I'm trying to like do my job and ring them up. I mean, it's not like there's a line there or anything, but still it's like, just do your business and move on. (laughs) Yeah. Quit talking online. Yeah. (laughs) Talking about the trip to Vermont to, to move the relationship into phase two, you know, phase two walking around naked. Yeah. We find later on though, that Jerry's like, Surprised with the walking around naked. He's never really yeah. had walk, walking around naked before. What was her yeah, name, he, Melissa? Yeah, he didn't like he didn't like that. One of my favorite lines of this whole episode, though, is when he's saying, "What can you do up in Vermont?" And he said, "Fishing." He goes, "Oh, you can fish. What do you fish for? Blues, carp, marlin, and I'm just Jerry marlin. pantomining, like reeling in some giant marlin is. It, it, for some reason, it always it really made me laugh. I like his physical stuff when he gets a little physical. You know, they, they, they tend to say, oh, he's not an actor. He can't act. I think he does a fine job. I think on he's the show. fine. I mean, yeah, he, there are some parts where he breaks, you know, in some episodes. But honestly, he's really not as bad as <laughs> he could be. You know, it's like some of these like comedians, like what, what, what does Rita Kirsten say? Oh, these comedians, they can't act. You know, so it's true. Some of them can't act, but some of them do. A, all right. Yeah, and I always took it, you know, every time he kind of breaks or cracks, I always took that as him being a stand-up comedian and always he's around these goofy people. And he's just that's that's your normal reaction, right? Like that's that's exactly how you would react if your buddies say something stupid or do something dumb or or saying something completely Crazy, you, you're gonna crack a a smile. So I I never took that as oh man this this Seinfeld Seinfeld can't act. Yeah, no I totally agree. No in in that episode the soup, where George wants to go back in, he's like gonna make me go back in. He's like get in there soldier, and he's cracking up because how many takes could they take? You know they can only take so many takes, but he's cracking up at the end of that. But that's yeah, a good I think point we to laugh, you know. Yeah, and I think we can all relate that <laughs> there's some times where we know we're saying something ridiculous or goofy and we crack ourselves up. So that's, I've never taken an issue with that. I try to make that a daily occurrence. Well, the next scene, we're in Jerry's apartment.
2: Is that my paper? Uh, Bad news, my friend. What? What news? Zentrax. Oh, come on, it's down again. Two and a half points. Oh, I can't believe it. Let me see that. Ooh. That's four and a half points in three days. That's almost half my money. Hey, I told you. Yeah, you told me. Oh, all manipulated with junk bonds. You can't win. There's one thing I don't understand. Why does it please you? George Costanza, hey, I don't please. care. I'm just telling you to get rid of that stock now. George, what's going on? Sell it. Just say, I'm selling. Well, where is the guy? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Almost half my money's gone. Well, well call me right back. Hmm. Nobody can reach Wilkinson. He hasn't been home or in his office in the past three days. You no, know, I can't believe you put your money in that Zentrex. You could have invested in my roll-out
6: tie dispenser. Rollout <laughs>
2: roll-out tie dispenser. What was that one? Okay, you're in a restaurant. You got a very big meeting coming up. Okay. Oh, man. You got mustard on your tie. Oh, no. You just sh- tear it off and... Whoop, you got a new one right here. <laughs> then you're gone. <laughs> you're gone, all right. Hey, where, where are you going? You are gonna take a trip with the map? What? Yeah, I'm going to Vermont with uh, Vanessa for a few days. Hey, can I use your place? I got a bunch of friends coming over this weekend. What friends? Well, it's uh, just some people I met at a rock concert.
6: <laughs>
2: you mind if they use your bed? Because <laughs> they're really good people, Jerry. I'm telling you, you know, they're anarchists. They're... They're, they're huge. George. What? You're kidding. Well, what's wrong? So what are we going to do? Great. All right, I'll speak to you later. Wilkinson, the guy who's supposed to tell us when to sell the stock, he's in the hospital.
1: <laughs> As the scene opens, Jerry is making vrooming noises with that little car. But before we actually see him, there's like a squeaking noise going on. I'm not sure what that is. But I'm like, what? what is, what is he doing to make that noise? It was like a noise, but I... I can't even figure out how he's doing it. It sounds like rubber hitting rubber. You know what I think it is? I think because he's doing that, the car on the map, I think it's the highlighter on the map. That's a good point. Maybe. You know, like when you press really hard on a highlighter across like stiff paper, it squeaks. I think that's it because he's mapping out his route. You just blew my mind. (laughs) That's what I'm here for, buddy. (laughs) Honestly, I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. I should have. Jerry is wearing a button up long sleeve dress shirt and what looks to be like stonewashed jeans. Kramer's wearing a shirt more like the shirts we'll see him in later. This one has alternating distress and embossed squares all over it. He's wearing a necklace that, if memory serves correctly, has a little piece of amber on it. Supposedly, he wears this in every single episode. I'm not going to point out when he wears it, but I will point out if I don't see it. Because from what I've noticed, I have seen it in every single episode. It's just like a really thin little necklace, but it has like a little thing in the middle of it, which is supposedly amber. But he said he wore it every single episode of the show. That's crazy, because I don't think I've ever like realized that it was the same. I always knew he had a necklace on, but I never put two and two together. Well, we get an unseen character, the receptionist at George's office. Jerry calls up and he's like, is George, just stand there, please. Okay, just have call me back. Kramer's all upset about the Sendrax thing. He says, You could've, in, could've invested in my rollout tie to Spencer. Which one is that? Say you're at a meeting and you get some mustard on your tie. Oh no. Yes, pull it out. You're gone. You're gone, all right. The the fact that Kramer walked in and he was so happy that Sendrax was down and it's a recurring theme throughout the episode, right? Like we've all had those buddies that just revel in everybody else's misery. It's so good, but he's just got that, that, that wry smile throughout the whole episode. Every time he points to the paper, the whole thing is that Jerry never believes in his ideas and didn't want to invest and hasn't invested in anything or even thought any of his ideas are good. So therefore, when he is investing in something and it's going down, I told you so. Shouldn't invest it yep. in my thing. We should we should keep a recurring list. So we know he's not on board with the make your own pie. He's obviously passed on the rollout tie dispenser. So we'll we'll keep making sure that we inventory that. There are a couple ideas that he has that Jerry thinks are good ideas. So we get into an inventory update here. The stereo is back. The computer is back for all we know. The TV is back too. I didn't see it, but does this mean the cops got the stuff back or Kramer got the stuff back? Cause remember we talked about this. Now the speakers are different. They're not the same speakers, but there is a speaker by the door where that credenza used to be. Yep. That credenza has gone and it's a speaker and the little Porsche is back too. So how, how did they get the little Porsche back? I think so, Jerry replaced everything. You, you think so? Because, I mean, on the money he's making, I don't know how you'd replace a Macintosh computer, all the stereo equipment to get the exact same stereo equipment back, you know, and that same exact Porsche. That's probably a Porsche he had for, like, years, that little toy. Maybe the last episode should have ended with, after Kramer confronted the Englishman, they showed the Englishman being walked out of the building in cuffs. Or you see Kramer walking back and putting everything back in Jerry's apartment. Like, I thought he'd get away with this. That's right. (laughs) In other news, there's a Prince tennis racket on one of the speakers. He has a set of blue dishes in the right-hand cabinet. And I think I mentioned before the Three Stooges calendar on the wall. Kramer asks Jerry if he can use his place while he's away in Vermont. He wants to let some people he met at a rock concert use his bed. And they're anarchists. They're huge. So I don't even know what that means. They want anarchy. They're huge. <laughs> but what else is huge is Kramer would never ask permission. He'd just do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's, he's away got for the four keys. days. <laughs> yeah. And he's away for four days. It's not like, you know, just clean up or not. You're robbed again, I don't know. <laughs> could you imagine saying yes and letting some random people sleep in your bed? He doesn't even want Newman using the bathroom. No, I'd have to I'd have to burn the bed. Yeah, you don't know where these people are. The bed bugs bite in New York, I'll tell you. <laughs> we also get that reference to Jerry's bed, meaning he must have a bedroom now unless Kramer means that sofa bed, which I'm not sure this couch is a sofa bed. Yeah, it's got to be referencing that futon-like couch as his bed, which still doesn't make any sense, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean, it's one of those things we're going to have to keep checking back on. Eventually, we'll get to a bedroom, so, you know, he can't stay bedroomless forever. Well, scene four, we're at the dry cleaners.
3: So you don't know what's wrong with him? What Simons was able to find out is that he's in the hospital. Okay, fine. Simon's been in touch with him? Of course he's been in touch with him. He left two messages. He just hasn't heard back yet. That's Well, this is it. I'm selling. All right. Just give it a little more time. I never should have gotten involved with this. I'm a nervous wreck. I'm not cut out for investing. All right, all right. All right. That's it. I'm, I'm going to go down there. Where? Uh, to the hospital. <laughs> the hospital? I'm going to find out what's going on, all right? Are you nuts? You don't even know the guy. <laughs> so what? I start talking to him, you know, casual. I'll work my way around to it. What if he's in an iron lung or something?
2: What are you gonna do? How you feeling, Mr. Wilkinson?
6: <laughs>
2: <laughs> By the way,
3: what's happening with Sendrax? Maybe he's there resting. Who goes to a hospital to rest? What are you, a doctor? Okay, fine, fine. When are you going down Today. I'm going today. Just don't do anything until you hear from me. All right. Boy, I have to get to a bathroom.
6: (laughs) May
2: I help you? Yeah, I picked up this shirt here yesterday. It's completely shrunk. Ah! There's absolutely no way I can wear it. When did you bring it in? What's the difference? Look at it. Do you see the size of this
6: shirt? You got a receipt?
2: I I can't find a receipt. You should get the receipt. Look, forget about the receipt, all right? Even if I had the receipt, look at it. It's a hand puppet. (laughs) What am I gonna do with this? Yes, but how do I know we did the shirt? What do you think? This is a little scam I have? I take this tiny shirt all over the city conning dry cleaners out of money? In fact, forget the money. I don't even want the money. I just once would like to hear a dry cleaner admit that something was their fault. That's what I want. I want an admission of guilt. Maybe you ask for it to be washed. No, dry cleaned. Let me explain to you something okay? with certain types of fabrics, different chemicals can
6: react causing you
2: shrunk it. You know, you shrunk it. Just tell me you shrunk
1: it. I shrunk it. I I took a screenshot of this establishing shot of the dry cleaners because it does not look like it's a New York location. I mean, I'm not 100% familiar with New York. But this looks more like a California location. It looks like you're walking along the street and then you make a turn into like almost looks like a motel where the dry cleaners set up. I can't believe you said that. I made the note that it it looked like a motel. Yeah, it's really weird, like almost where you drive in and then there's the building for the motel. But the front looks like an office for a motel building. Yeah. Yeah, I said it looks like it has like a carport built on the, the side of it and. It it just looks like a midwestern suburban area. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Well, Jerry says he's a nervous wreck. He's not cut out for investing. I guess he's not even Steven yet. No. And and how much did he give? Twenty five hundred bucks? Yeah, I think so, twenty five hundred. I looked it up. That's about like six grand in today's money. Yeah, that's that's insanity. So, yeah, he's he's sweating a little bit. Jerry mentions Wilkinson being in an iron lung. That reminds me of Walter and the Big Lebowski when they go to confront Larry. John, I, ca- I can't believe you said that because that's the exact note I made. Because the Big Lebowski is one of my favorite movies ever. And that's, that's one of my favorite parts when they walk in to the the house and they see the iron lung there he's like and a good day to you sir yeah <laughs> and a good day to you <laughs> no it's one of my wife's favorite movies too and i mean like i'm a cohen so you know i gotta support the cohen brothers you gotta support them somebody with the same spelling of my last name doesn't come along that that often especially when they're good at what they do right good at what they do <laughs> Well, he knocks on the table to insinuate that he's knocking on the iron lung. With all those random clothes on the table, they just leave people's clothes lying around in these places. Yeah, absolutely. They they have like the shelf with the folded clothes, and then just a a little rolling cart with just a bunch of random clothes strewn about. Yeah, it just struck me as very odd that there'd just be people's garments laying on a table that like he could easily just say, "Oh, I guess this is mine now," and walk out with it. Agreed. George says, boy, I got to get to a bathroom. And he turns around and he's like staring right in this lady's face. That is every day of my life. I am constantly doing things that like saying stupid stuff and people look at me like, what the hell is wrong with that guy? It almost reminded me of, you know. Them at the D laundromat talking about you can't over die. Yeah, they get the weird looks from the ladies. <laughs> George's outfit is actually kind of normal in this scene. It's a sweater with a collared shirt underneath of it. I think it's the most normal he's looked in the show yeah. so far. Yeah, so far. Jerry also somewhat normal. The jacket looks a little bit similar to the, buy- the one that he buys in the jacket episode, though. So I wonder what happened to this jacket. Like, it looks very similar to the lose it and because he only had that leather jacket in the jacket episode he is rocking a turtleneck again <laughs> and also wasn't that leather jacket stolen in the robbery episode so that means he either got that leather jacket back oh my gosh you're right you know or it's you know he just replaced it another one yeah and i really like the dry cleaner's sweater the sweater the dry cleaner's wearing i like the color of it you know it looks nice it looks like mr rogers style sweater Bright blue cardigan, yeah. Yeah, that's nice. I, I have a, a nice blue cardigan-style zip-up sweater Like I got from Old Navy a few years ago. It's got the patches on the sleeves. Sure. So every once in a while, I'll put that on, comb my hair, all nice, I'll look like an, a respectable gentleman. It's nice. Feel like a professor. <laughs> yeah. So Jerry brings the shirt up to the, the dry cleaner and says, I brought this shirt in, and you shrunk it. Yeah, I don't... How did Jerry... Did he get the clothes back to his apartment and realize that it was shrunk? Like, usually you do a little check when you go to pick up your clothes. Unless they got it delivered. I think you'd notice if it was like at least one of your objects was shrunk. You know, I mean, I don't know how many things he's bringing in there at once. It might be, you know, two or three things, but. I love it. I love how tiny it is. Like, it just looks like it looks like a ventriloquist dummy's shirt. Yeah, or a kid's shirt or something like that. Yeah, and then finally getting the guy to admit that he did shrink it, and he starts talking about all these chemicals and things like that, and that that blends perfectly for once into the standup. Yeah, it's very rare in these first episodes that the standup will be about, you know, what was in the previous scene. And I gotta agree with him and. I'm gonna show my ignorance here on this one. I have no idea what dry cleaning is. Yeah, no. As as far as I know, I looked it up a little bit about it, but they do use certain chemicals. It's dry cleaned to a extent because he's like, in the stand up about dry cleaning, he's like scraping it off and he's like, this is what dry cleaning is, you know. And he's scratching it off. And you ever get something in your shirt? To scratch it off. Like, but as far as I know, there are chemicals that they use on it, but it's like a non-invasive chemical. I think it's more of like a spot treatment and they get it clean real quick. Yeah. And this was one of those things that usually I'm the first one to like look something up. If I don't know, I've been going to a dry cleaner for 30 years. I've never once had an, an urge to look up what dry cleaning is. So the next scene is the stand-up and he's talking about the dry cleaning.
2: I think the only reason we go to the dry cleaner is so I can say to the dry cleaner, well, it's ruined. <laughs> and of course the dry cleaner can respond, it's not our fault. <laughs> We're not responsible. We just ruined the clothes. That ends our legal obligation. <laughs> See, the whole problem with dry cleaning is that we all believe that this is actually possible. <laughs> They're, right? They're cleaning our clothes but they're not getting anything wet. It's all dry. I know there's got to be some liquids back there, some fluids that they're using. There's no such thing as dry cleaning. When you get something on your shirt, you ever get something on your shirt and try and get it off like that? That's dry cleaning. I don't think that's what they're doing back there. They don't have 80 guys
1: going, come on, hurry up. There's a lot of shirts today. There's a woman in the crowd. I sent you the picture of her. She's not even smirking. She's just staring at him with a look of disgust on her face. I I saw the picture. Maybe she owns a dry cleaner. Yeah, she's probably like, hey, I think of resentment to that. That's my livelihood you're talking about. But I do like how he's, like, scratching at the thing, and he's like, come on, I got a lot of shirts today. (laughs) It is good. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I do. I do go back to that. Maybe these... These things are in his dreams, you know what I mean? And that's like a premonition of the non-laugher, you know, right there. Yeah, absolutely. She kind of looks similar, too. Yeah, I thought she looked a little like Mary Contardi. Yeah, that's a good one, too. She's one of my favorite people in the whole series, because she's the only one of the only people that sticks up for themselves in this whole show. Liar! <laughs> well, the next scene's in Jerry's apartment. <laughs> oh bless you.
4: Thank you. What evidence is there that cats are so smart anyway, huh? What do they do? Because they're clean? I'm sorry. My Uncle Pete showers four times a day, and he can't count to ten, so don't give me hygiene.
2: So what are you gonna do?
4: I don't know. I can't think of any solution. Unless, of course, they should meet with some unfortunate accident. (laughs) What do you think a hit man would charge to rub out a couple of cats?
6: Well, it
2: couldn't be too expensive. Thirteen, fourteen bucks a cat.
4: What do you think, Jerry? You wanna make 28 bucks?
2: I'm no cat killer.
4: How about we go over there right now and we shave him.
2: I'd really like to go, Elaine, but... George is coming back from the hospital. I gotta wait for him. But otherwise, I would definitely go.
4: He actually went to the hospital? Yeah. Oh, man, he's nuts.
2: Yeah, he's nuts. You wanna bump off a couple of cats. (laughs) I know, I know, it's down again. How much are you down all together? I don't know, fifteen hundred dollars. Wow. <laughs> you don't have to say wow, I know it's wow. <laughs> and there's that smile again. <laughs> well what is that? Uh. <laughs> it's George. <gasps> Oh, look at this one by the bus stop. Jerry, come here. Take a look at this. I really don't need to look.
6: What a body.
3: (laughs) Ah, that's for me. (laughs)
2: Yeah, and you're just what she's looking for, too. Stranger leering through a pair of binoculars ten floors up. I'm gonna go down there and try and talk to her, huh? (laughs) 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 what what did you go down there did he tell you what's gonna happen how long were you there
3: 15 seconds
2: (laughs) you told him you knew simon's
3: yeah i mentioned simon's next thing i know i'm in the parking lot (laughs) perhaps they had some sort of a falling out i'll tell you one thing I don't know what he's got, but for a sick guy, he's very strong.
6: (laughs) Well,
2: that's it. Look, I'm going to Vermont. I don't want to think about this. I'm selling.
4: Didn't work, huh? (laughs) Not quite. (laughs) Well, well, what are you going to do about this stock?
3: I'm keeping it. I'm going down with the ship.
1: (laughs) In the establishing shot, We kind of see the rooftop of the Shelly. It looks like there is some kind of fencing on the top of it. Maybe to stop the kids from jumping on to the next rooftop or something like that. Maybe it's to keep Newman from threatening to jump. Jerry is at his counter. And he's making a drink. Did you notice what it is? I didn't. Freeze-dried coffee crystals. Oh, God. He's making freeze-dried coffee crystals. You know, I know it's a few years later, but do you think he was just being a jerk to Bookman and saying he didn't have that because Bookman was being so stern? I think maybe he's giving the freeze-dried crystals a whirl and realized that it's not good. Elaine is not happy with Robert's cats. She's had enough. She's allergic to him, and she th- says, "What's the what's the evidence that cats are so smart anyway? You know." Six, yeah, count. and she talks about people's argument that cats are clean. Yeah, her, her. the next unseen character is her Uncle Pete. My Uncle Pete showers four times a day, and he can't count to ten, so don't give me cleanliness or whatever. And then what does she do? She goes, she's kind of joking around and offering Jerry a chance to rub out a couple of cats. Yeah, what What do you think a hitman would charge? 13, 14 bucks a cat. You wanna make twenty eight bucks? <laughs> <laughs> I'm no cat killer. Then Kramer burst in with the Sendrax news again, hitting that newspaper. I made a note here that I like I'm really glad that they changed Kramer because he was way too pervy in these episodes. Because this 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 one where he's like, That's for me, and she's look he's looking out the window at the girl by the bus stop. Yeah, and this is what we're talking about of how many floors the the apartment is. And Jerry makes that, yeah, that's what she's looking for, a guy leering at her from ten floors up. Exactly. You know, we'll we'll see him get a little bit better as the series goes on, be a little more respectful to women, but for now he's still like incel as far as I know. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, he's he's definitely got a creep vibe going on. And the buzzer rings, and Kramer gets legitimately scared by the buzzer. But it takes 31 seconds for George to get upstairs this time. And I got a real bone to pick with George when he comes in. He flops over the couch with his shoes on all over the couch cushions. That is a major, major sticking point with me. Yeah, I'm sure it is with Jerry, too. He doesn't want his dirty feet all over his couch. Right, I, I'm picturing the Rick James scene in Chappelle show where he's just yeah. grinding his, his platform shoes into his couch. Beep, your couch. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I am impressed, though, because if I tried to do that, I'd roll right off the couch. Like, yeah, I would have rolled point. over and then fell and hit my head on the, on the coffee table. I couldn't have done it so suave. I guess it must be because he's a trained theater actor and he's good at, like, you know... <laughs> Doing controlled motions. I know as soon as I hit that couch, I bounced off and fell on the floor. He's got a lower center of gravity. He's in control. George says about Wilkinson, he's in the hospital. I don't know what he's got, but for a sick guy, he's pretty strong. I just picture him getting tossed right out of the hospital room. Yeah, and and, and we know what he's got. He's getting a nose job. So why is he in the hospital, you know? Couldn't have George found out that he was getting a nose job at that point because, you know, I think he would have noticed if something was going on. And also, when you get a nose job, how many days beforehand are you in the hospital for? I've, I got to think that you're not in there before and I, it's got to be outpatient. You know, I've I've never been in that situation. But, yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. In and out, like, real fast, it seems like. Right. In In the nose job episode, so. Maybe recovery in the 90s was a lot worse than it is now. I guess so. The next scene, we're at the Bed and Breakfast in Vermont, the Creek Glen Inn.
2: So I know this guy, I'm getting all my sneakers at a discount now.
4: I know, you mentioned it.
2: Oh yeah, right. Oh God, get me out of here. What a mistake. What made me think this would work? And I've still got another day. I've got nothing left to say. Wait, wait, I've got one. That's a nice watch. Do you wind it?
4: No, it's got a little battery.
2: Well, that's good. Well, the drive home should be a delight. I'm speeding the whole way. Let him throw me in jail. I don't care. That's the manager. Do you want me to uh, see if we can get another room?
4: No, it's okay.
2: So, I guess you don't find the separate faucets for the hot and the cold. Charming.
4: Not especially. Well,
2: what do you want to do this afternoon?
4: What can we do? It's raining.
2: We could play sorry. We could play steal the old man's bundle. Maybe I can get an extension cord and hang myself. What kind of perfume is that you're wearing? No. Oh. You've never heard of it. No, what, uh, what kind is it? I can't tell you. Yeah, that's real normal. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Could I have a look at that business section? It stopped. Thank you.
4: I thought you got out of that.
2: I did. I'm just curious. It's been almost a week. I want to check it out.
4: Six points.
2: It's up six points.
4: I told you not to sell.
2: You did not tell me not to sell.
4: I said, the market fluctuates, remember?
2: Look, Vanessa, of course the market fluctuates. Everybody knows that. I just got fluctuated out of (laughs) $4,000. That's
4: probably why we're... What? Forget it.
2: No, that's probably why.
4: That's probably why we're staying here, because you lost money on the stock.
2: So, what am I looking at here? 29 hours to go? Well, at least I got plenty of time to find out the name of that perfume.
1: You know what's weird? I've never stayed at a bed and breakfast. I don't know if you have, but everyone was just hanging out together. Like all of the guests were just in a common area. That would be the last thing I would want to do. (laughs) You know? I don't. Yeah, it's just like random people milling around, sitting on the common furniture. Like it just seems miserable to me. Yeah, and especially like the aesthetic there. It's very unpleasing. It's old and antique-y. That kind of stuff really irks me. Yeah, a lot of doilies. Yeah, it's like it's like the the stereotypical grandma's house. Yes. You know, it's like you almost expect to pick a piece of hard candy out of the container on the table and it all comes with it. One big clump. Yeah, a nice butterscotch, the strawberry candy. Yeah, or just those plain mints that are all unwrapped. Like, yep. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we find out why Jerry has so many pairs of sneakers because he gets them at a discount. He does. He's got a sneaker guy. And how many times do you think he mentioned that to her? <laughs> because she's like, yeah, I know. You told me already. <laughs> and then what great conversation to mention her watch. And do you have to wind it? No, it's got a little battery. Jerry thinks to himself, eh, maybe I can get an extension cord and hang myself. Yeah, it's it's one of the... In this day and age, right? It, it's tough, but it's one of multiple times that suicide or, or suicide attempts are mentioned. And it's, I, I can't help but laugh at just the juxtaposition of him being miserable and just going through like, oh my God, how am I going to get out of this? But it really, it makes me laugh, but yet I can also put on a different hat and be like, man, that was, that was dark. 1990 is a totally different time than 2023. This is true. It's definitely a trigger warning for a lot of people like um, I've I've had people in my life that, you know, have taken their lives and it's nothing that I like to laugh at. But at the same time, you have to kind of put things aside sometimes and see the humor and things or else what are you going to live the worst existence ever? I always equate that line, the extension cord line when, you know, they they kind of make light of it when when George finds out his parents are getting divorced from jo- Donna Chang and he opens the oven and sticks his head in <laughs> like that's just one of those, like, it always makes me chuckle. But I'm like, man, you couldn't get away with that these days. Jerry asks, oh, uh, what kind of perfume is that? She's like, I can't tell you. Yeah. Like, is she Jake Jarmel's sister? Yeah, absolutely. Does she get the perfume from Malaysia? Exactly. You know, And I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I'm really not a fan of Vanessa. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and you know who the manager is? And he says, I want to get the manager. It's it's Brenner walking behind. Oh, the is house. it? I, I was trying to see who it was. Yeah. Hi, Ian. <laughs> great. It was Ian. I wish every every I know time you see him, he's Ian. Yeah, would <laughs> be great. Oh, so back to the previous scene in monks. We deduced that one way this trip is three plus hours. Vanessa seems to think that Jerry drove all this way because he lost money on the stock. Now. I know gas was cheaper back then, but still, like, is it cheaper, really, to drive four hours, maybe more, one way, to get a bed and breakfast? She's obviously not thrilled at the quality of this bed and breakfast, but, like, TripAdvisor didn't exist. You're going on word of mouth from friends, and didn't he hear about this place from Elaine? Yeah, I I wrote down here that the reason they're actually staying there is because Elaine recommended it. And also, when did Elaine go there with a boyfriend? Had to. I mean, I mean, they were just talking now about dating, and she's been this far away with from home with a guy? I, I mean, I'm not casting any aspersions on her. She may have went in her youth with her family when they're, you know, they're very rich. Sure. But at the same time, I mean, like, how long have her and Jerry been broken up? Because I know her and Jerry were together for a little while before this, so it would either—and she moved to New York from Maryland— what eighty six? I think she said. Six, eighty seven, <laughs> eighty eight, eighty nine, ninety, ninety one. <laughs> six years. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I have the, I have that written down. Yeah, it was Elaine's fault that they went there. All he would have had to say was like, "Yeah, I'm really sorry." Elaine recommended this place. I thought it would be better, but instead he just like lets it stew and marinate and turn to a big pot of. Yeah, what a what a terrible comment. It's probably why. It's probably why what? Probably why we're staying here. Like you you think they just drove all the way to Vermont and he was like, oh man, I can't spring for the the real true bed and breakfast. Yeah, right. After the bed and breakfast scene we get back to monks.
3: Have something else. Come on, have a little dessert. I'm good, thanks. Elaine, get something. It's all taken care of. I'm kind of full. So don't finish it. And she's full. <laughs> so, Big Daddy, I'm just
2: curious. How much did you clear on your little transaction They're all told? I don't like
3: to discuss figures. How much? I don't know. 8,000. It's a Hyundai. Yeah. <laughs> I told you not to sell. Simon's made money, Wilkinson cleaned up. So Wilkinson's out of the hospital now? No. You'd be surprised. You don't recover that quickly from a nose job. <laughs> uh,
6: uh,
3: Is that still from those cats?
4: No. Uh, I just got a cold.
2: So what yeah. ever happened with that?
4: I gave him an ultimatum.
3: He chose the cats?
4: They're very clean animals.
2: I gotta say, that's pretty bad, losing out to a cat.
4: Almost as bad as losing out to a perfume.
3: (laughs) Told you those trips are relationship killers. Too bad you can't get your buddy Superman to fly around the Earth at super speed in reverse time. Get all the money back. Could have avoided the whole trip to Vermont.
4: Superman can go back in time.
3: We went over that. Psst. <laughs> Wilkinson's got a bite on a new one. The Tramco Corporation out of. Uh, Springfield, I think. They're about to introduce some sort of a robot butcher. A robot butcher. <laughs> you wanna get in. Very little time. <clears throat> Sweetheart. Mm-hmm. No, no 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 no. That oughta covered.
6: <laughs>
3: <clears throat> just a second, just uh let me speak. come on come on come on
1: this is the first time we see george interact with a black man he's laughing yes. with him it's a positive experience the man's name is james james I mean, eh. <laughs> he's not the exterminator no george is also smoking a cigar inside of monks to celebrate his luck. However, later when he's gifted Cuban cigars from Susan's father, he, he claims they made him sick. And also he claims that smoking made him sick in the invitations as well. So, yeah. And I, I love this scene. I've always referred to this as, well, it's Jerry gone. All right, big daddy. How much did you clear? So I've always been like, Oh, big daddy, George. Eight thousand.
3: It's a Hyundai.
1: Tell you, eight thousand dollars could buy a Hyundai back then, right? Now we find out here that Wilkinson had a nose job. Granted, the nose job episode takes place well after this episode, but this guy took over a week to heal. But in the nose job, it seems Audrey took only a few days to get the first nose job, no, healed, and then got a second nose job and healed again. Like. Because if you think about it, think it just think about the fact of it maybe being a month that Audrey had to heal and all that. So there's no no interaction with George at all in a month or so. And Kramer, right. you would think she'd you know, be all bruised and you know. Usually I've seen like when people get nose jobs, it's you know you have to break the nose and that that usually causes like black eyes. Yeah, like uh, what do they call that? A contusion or something like that yeah. under because uh, I I've got hit in the face before like with a baseball. And like you get like the black eye underneath from getting yeah. hit in your head, you know. And yeah, I don't know. Ever find out in this episode. So like George didn't actually know Wilkinson. He knew him through Simons. Where was Simons this whole time when Wilkinson went AWOL? I think he said that Simons was trying to call him. He left some messages. Yeah, that's all. That's all we get out of it. Yeah. I don't know. And then we find out the the bad news that. Robert chose the cats over Elaine. (laughs) Yeah, too bad she lost out some cats. It's almost as bad as losing out to a perfume. And George says it's too bad you can't get your friend Superman to fly around the Earth in reverse time. I told you those trips are relationship killers. (laughs) Just Big Daddy George just strutting around with his chest out. Now, I, I do remember that part of the Superman movie when I was a kid, and I yep. thought that was stupid even when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not how that works. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, there's no way that could happen, even if Superman existed. My father's telling me, shut up and be an eight-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> but I do believe this is George's first instance of being cheap. He just won $8,000 on the stock market and took back a dollar from the waitress. Yeah, and, then again, and just and she's got like a vice grip on the money as he's trying to like pull it out of her hand. I think I'm coming to grips with the fact that I have no sense of what anything cost in 1990 and everything is confusing me. Well, you know, we weren't old enough, I guess, to know what things cost and we didn't really have money to know, you know. We were kids back then, so. Yeah, I was up. I was worrying about how I was going to buy a GI Joe on the weekend exactly but well, later on in the series elaine's gonna say that he's cheap and he's gonna say when i was working i spent baby yeah There's caviar no- champagne limousines the the only reference to that in this episode is like get more food get more food you eat, know eat, eat. <laughs> i'm full that's like the only evidence that he did it but at the same time he took a dollar back from that lady right And then we learn that George has a new tip, Tramco. So we got Sendrax with the televised opera, and now we got Tramco out of Springfield. Yeah, they got some kind of robot butcher. (laughs) Which is just equally confusing as the televised opera. But now, as you said a couple episodes ago, or a couple of our episodes ago, they have robot butchers. Yeah, they make a really bad omelet. <laughs> yeah, they're just chopping things really fast and just throwing it all together. Yeah, and, and I, I, I mean, I'm I'm down. You know, I do a lot of cooking, and if I could have me a robot butcher in the house, uh, chopping up the, especially all the vegetables. We eat a lot of vegetables here. You know, chop them up, cook them up, robot in, butcher. Until they have AI integrated with the robot butcher, and then you have to worry about your life. And I have to worry about them taking over my Seinfeld page. Yeah, that's the only thing I use AI for is to create those weird Seinfeld pictures yeah they're going to start creating themselves and then they're going to just write you right out of the picture you know put me out of business not making any money in the first place that's right well the last scene of the episode is a stand-up it's about investing
2: I'm not an investor people
1: always tell me you should have your money working for
2: you I decided I'll do the work I'm going to let the money relax <laughs> You know what I mean? Because you send your money out there working for you. A lot of times, it gets fired. You go back there, what happened? I had my money. It was here. It was working for me. Yeah, I remember your money. Showing up late, taking time off. We had to let him
6: go.
1: Yeah, I I like this stand-up when he's like, you know, people are always saying you should have your money working for you. Well, sometimes it gets fired. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do the in. I'll let my money relax. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's a good way to end the episode. Yeah, if I had any money, I'd definitely let it relax. But at the same time, you know, get out there and do a little bit of work. <laughs> Absolutely. I wish I knew more about investing. I think it was John Lovett's routine on Saturday Night Live where he's like, uh, I want you to invest in Twix. Invest in Twix. <laughs> and he leaves the room and they're like, this guy's a crackpot. We're not <laughs> investing in Twix. And then all of a sudden it goes up to like 500 million points. And they're like, oh, oh. And he walks back and he's like, I forgot my briefcase. And he's like, Twix is up so-and-so percent. he's like, ooh, my father always said invest in what you love and you can't go wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's such a jealous. deep cut and I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love John Lovitz. That guy's great. I, he's so good. I can't wait to get to the scoff law. I know it's a long ways off, but Jack. <laughs> <laughs> good for you, Jack. Jack. (laughs) She's talking a blue streak now, Jack. Miss Cool Toes. (laughs) Miss Cool Toes. (laughs) There's so many great lines in this show. (laughs) Well, Adam, our conversations keep getting better and better, I think. We have a lot of fun. We're getting to know each other more, and the goofiness is coming out. (laughs) I I couldn't agree more. And and I think as we keep nitpicking on these episodes, we just keep uncovering funnier things that we've— haven't come across before you know it just goes back to like life imitating art and seinfeld calling it out in the first place you know this is what happens to a normal person in the normal life and that's why it's a show about nothing i guess you know <laughs> well anyway i'm john and i'm adam and here's to feeling good all the time
0: ruining seinfeld is not endorsed by castle rock entertainment sony pictures or nbc it is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. All names, music, logos, and pretty much everything else belong to the aforementioned companies. If you think you can help us ruin Seinfeld, call us at 5-Seinfeld-6. Be sure to give us the episode title and a brief description. Follow us on social media at Seinfeld. And if you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your platform of choice. Or not. The ball is in your court. Thanks for listening. Double goodbye. Pure Guano.